Hi everyone and welcome to the Poma Podcast. I am James Prescott, I'm your host and um, I'm delighted to welcome a new guest to the show, somebody I've wanted to have on the show for quite a while. Um, I'm an author, a coach um, and really inspirational guy, Kevin Garcia. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, I'm glad to be here. Yeah, it's really great to have you on the show. Um, um, for, I don't know if you follow Kevin on Twitter. His his stuff is a, his his tweets alone are, are, are inspirational, um, but he does a lot of other things as well. We're going to talk about. I think it's really interesting when anybody thinks I'm inspirational because I'm just like I literally like I think I like I'm so ratchet, but like you know, hey, if you get your life from it, absolutely. Yeah, I kind of feel the same way when people talk about my tweets and stuff and give me compliments and encouragements. I kind of like, I just do what I do and that's, if that's, I hope that's helpful for you kind of thing, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. And um, so just tell us a bit about your kind of your story. Like, um, sure. uh, the, the short version, um, <laughs> shortish version, grew up Southern Evangelical in the United States and so... That means that I grew up with a lot of fear around uh, my body and around spirituality and around hell and uh, my whole life was a part of the church. And so uh, when I discovered that I was attracted to genders like my own, it was like, uh-oh, this is a problem um, because good Christians don't struggle with homosexuality and whatnot. So I struggled for much of my teen years and through my early 20s with my sexual orientation and gender identity. Um, came out on the other side after, you know, being a missionary and trying to, quote-unquote, do the right thing, at least do it how I was told it was done. And um, I came out, lost my entire ministry, lost my community, uh, lost any respect I had with people in that world. And then what I discovered on the other side of that was, like, a really brilliant and bright and thriving queer community of faith uh, that was fully accepting and fully inclusive of who I was. And uh, as I continued to explore, like, okay, well, where is God? What is God doing? Um, and, you know, meeting other LGBTQ people and that um, my faith just continued to evolve and mm. change and grow. And, um, you know, like, I'm not so, like, this is something I'm so wrestling with. It's just like, you know, the label of being a Christian. Like I've mm. you know, been a Christian my whole life. Yeah. Um, or, and it's, I wonder if, if it's less of a, a more of a state of being and less of a, an action or an identity that I put on myself. Cause I keep coming back to the phrase like Jesus put up to the, who do you say that I am? Like if, if my life points to Jesus, then great. But I'm also not really concerned if you think that I'm a Christian or not, because I'm still going to, do what I feel I'm called to do, um, regardless of whether it looks like it. Mm. Church would be as holy as my experience of God goes beyond um, what the church gave me, and so like I'm I'm out here in the wild of faith, kind of uh, you know flinging tarot cards and working with crystals and talking to my ancestors and you know talking with the communion of saints and. Everybody else, it was, it's almost just like, sure, I, I guess I'm Christian, and I'm also so much more than that, too. So, it's a wild time out here in uh, the theological wilderness, if you will. Yeah, I, I resonate with some of that in terms of that label, Christian, because I, 
I find that very difficult to use right now. Um, mm. Yeah. Like, I love Jesus and stuff, and I love um, a lot of the Bible, and especially the stories of Jesus, and um, I believe that, like, you know, there's a divine nature to him. Um mm and everything but it's just like that label and everything that goes with it and yeah all the boundaries that's and all the come, yeah yeah that's really comes down to me it's like it's anything that like if I believe that you know God is trying to break, break every single boundary between us you know the human humanity and the divine and so I think that even like the church itself while it serves a beautiful purpose and religion serves a beautiful purpose and like is needed for many people including myself um, I know that if a religion has walls or boundaries on it or does not include a more expansive in like, you know, it, it doesn't account for mystery, you know, I think my Christianity that I grew up with didn't account for the mysteries that I would encounter. Like what is, you know, who is God? What is God? Where is God? Where does God end and begin? Does God end and begin? Um, I think about the nature of like the universe. Apparently it's going on for forever like in all directions for forever. And I, and you're telling me that God is in all of that. Like I can't comprehend that. Mm. Um, and that is where for me, like I, that's where like I surrender. It's like, ah, there's still something I could never understand, but also that's not the point. The point yes. is that like, you know, it's not that I don't understand, but it's that I can endlessly know it. That's what Richard Rohr would call the mystery, that it is endlessly knowable. Yeah. And that's right. God, yeah, I love Richard Raw. <laughs> yeah, all that stuff. Yeah, that's fantastic. And I mean, you mentioned some of those things you mentioned just just like a few minute, a minutes ago. Um, are some of the things that I'm kind of just coming to exploring and um, the tarot, for example. And you you wrote this amazing thread on Twitter the other day about your experiences with tarot and being doing tarot with other people. And encountering mm. the divine and it showing showing you more of Christ and and I found that fascinating. I mean, I don't as someone who doesn't really know much of that world and how all that works, I, I found that really fascinating. So I, I was going to ask you about just to kind of explain that a bit more. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I I mean, I'll just kind of like recap my my thread that I put out there. Because um, it's the story I always tell people, like, if it's their first tarot reading, I like to tell them how I got into it. Because a lot of times, um, just because of where I'm positioned in the world, and I guess on the internet, my main clientele are, like, ex-evangelicals. And so, or people who are still Christians who are still, who are just curious about it to see what might happen or come up. And um, every single time I work with somebody, it's a holy experience. Um, but I got into it because I had a friend of mine who... Uh, she said, I'm a spiritual energy healer. And when I heard that, I'm like, that sounds like a load of shit. Um, and uh, when I said it, I didn't tell her that I thought I was a load of shit. Um, but in my heart, that's what I was thinking. And she said, well, you know, it could be that you, you know, nothing happens and nothing and you're unchanged. Or maybe you'll receive a gift and it'll be something wonderful. And so I said, okay, well, that's true. And that, you know, it's a no-lose situation. So, you know, let's go at it. Let's try it. And I kid you not, I was crying within first, the first 15 minutes of working with her because I just, she tapped into something that I didn't know were there, um, using her gifts. 
that were, you know, beyond what I understood to be, uh, you know, not Christian practices, but like it was still holy. And I knew the feeling of the Holy Spirit. I was like, I know this. So like, how is it? And I was, I was like, how is it possible that she has access to the same spirit that I do? And I was like, oh my gosh, you think that you've got a monopoly. Like you think that the only way to experience God is just this one way. And yet, if we look at history, if we look at how our, our faith, faith, multiple faiths have evolved over time, like they've always, like you know, changed and like expanded and gotten bigger. But like, why couldn't God be there? And mm. so. Uh, that's what got me on the path to working with tarot and exploring it for myself. And uh, as I work with it, like both within like the the cycles of the moon, just as a, as a tool of self reflection, um, and as a tool to help other people reflect, it has been really powerful. Because when I uh, like a normal session, I sit down and I pray and I ask for God to be present, and you know I just spend some genuine time, just like being still and being present to what God is doing in my body. And when I'm present to what God is doing in my body, I can share exactly what I'm feeling. And I think oftentimes when I work with people, like I, I, I can pick up on, you know, subtle body cues, subtle changes in spirit, um, changes in attitude or like something that strikes a chord with somebody. Um, and then it's a lot of just like questioning, okay, as I say, what's coming up for you? What, what is your body saying right now? And then being able to say, okay, that makes sense because this card is doing X, Y, Z, blah, 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 blah. And so really it's, it's less of a oofy spooky, I'm going to tell you the future kind of deal, and more of a I uh, want to spend time, you know, digging into your heart and figuring out what your body is saying so that you can get healing. And so, you know, for example, I've, I've had conversations with people who just needed, like, some help figuring out what they wanted out of career stuff um, to people who you know, are uh, in the middle of deconstruction and they're, they're failing to remember that they're loved. Um, for some people, it's like they have like an extreme disconnect in their body mm. and they uh, feel shame around sex and, and relationship and pleasure and wanting to feel good. Um, and so, oh, like, you know, mm. it's a very, like, the, the readings are as various as the people who I read for. And all of it is meant to help open people up to the possibility of their own imagination. You know, I, I'll, I'll ask really tough questions, like what would it look like for you to do the thing that you're scared to do? What would it look like for you to have the conversation? What would it look like to forgive yourself? Um, so that's the work I'm in. It's like I really just help people uncover their fullness. I help people uncover that their, their infinite connection to love that was always there. We just forgot. That's what I do. That's amazing. That's really amazing. It's, yeah. Because it's and my thought about it is, is that at minimum, if these cards, if all they are, are, you know, a bunch of archetypes and meanings and like, it's all just chance, it's nothing divine about it. Um, and I said this on the Twitter thread too. If all it does is allow me to become more introspective and like these cards trigger certain questions in my mind, um, and it causes me to more be self-reflective, more compassionate, more loving. If it allows other people to uh, hear from God in a way that they haven't heard from God, like one that's like, then I think it's good. Then I don't see the issue with um, with allowing, you know, like why would I stifle the spirit? It doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, absolutely. I yeah, it sounds really, really beautiful. Um, 
sounds just like it's this really useful tool like just for like you say like allowing us to examine ourselves yeah I think that's what it, like tarot doesn't name the future I don't think tarot names what's happening right now and it can also name just like hey like remember you have a tendency to do X and this is the pattern of behavior that will play out again unless you address your own bullshit um yeah uh, and uh, I think that's like what tarot does is like if you can allow yourself to be really honest like tarot is a beautiful mirror and it both reflects back to you the lovely things about you and the things that you uh, that are out of alignment with who you are yeah and so sounds really yeah, I'm, uh, I think everyone should get into it you know even if it's just you know you read for yourself every now and again it's a it's fun and it's also really like I feel deeply connected and like you know I actually do think that spirit is in it like I every single tarot session I do it's like it is a holy experience and people are getting value out of our work and so you know I just I'm just gonna gonna believe Mm. yeah it's, it's it's wonderful um yeah, I mean, I, I, I've always got, always got, I've had this approach that everything is spiritual. That you, you mm. find, you find the divine where you, where you look. You know that it's not yeah. simply a matter of these boundaries that people put up. That um, if we're trying to exp- explain the divine with systems and boundaries and rules and things, we've missed the point, kind of thing, mm. um, and that he or she or is bigger is bigger than that you know and um and can connect to us anywhere you know i think i think my own journey has been like with has been with tarot is like i kind of i think even though i came out of i I completely deconstructed and come out of religion and church and everything and i still didn't think about tarot it still sounded a bit like I still have those preconceptions that that you get when you're yeah it still had in my mind it was still still those preconceptions that were drilled into me when I was in the evangelical church of what it was mm-hmm. um, and because it never I never kind of encountered it much I didn't have a chance yeah. to deal with them and then like I saw friends of mine who were do who were doing tarot readings and and then I saw your thread and I was mm-hmm. like oh this is interesting like this isn't what I thought it was you know um, yeah and and I think that like that's what uh, you know when any sort of like spiritual practice gets demonized and I think that conservative fundamental religion does that really really well um, mm. it uh, you know it, it robs us of joy and it robs us of imagination and like the possibility that God might be bigger or somewhere out there like you know fundamentalist religion relies on us having a small view of god um because that requires us having a small like to have a small view of god is to have a small view of the self and our own ability to connect with that like i was telling someone else recently that i think the church sometimes makes us codependent on the church yeah that like you can only function within that system which is why so many people when they leave an oppressive or or, um, abusive religious space they fall completely apart because of course they would their entire world, their entire system of belief and being and how they function in the world 
was taken away from them. Yeah. Um, and so, like, it, it makes total sense when people have trouble leaving those spaces because they're not ready to. It's because, like, it has to get to the point where staying is worse than going. And for so many people, it's very easy to fall in line with these belief systems and not challenge them. And again, I think proximity to power and proximity to privilege allows for that to happen. Mm. And so when I began exploring tarot, it was both like I was interested because of my experience with my friend, but it was also I know it was a part of like indigenous Mexican tradition from different kinds of uh, wise people, different kinds of magic workers. It's part of like reclaiming my heritage in some way as an indigenous Mexican. Um, which is part of my heritage, which is all not, a lot of people don't know that, even though I look very gingery. It's very confusing. Mm. But yeah, it's, it's one of these things where um, I think that uh, the, the practice of tarot and being able to see God in, not just within my own faith tradition of Christianity, but like in the tree that I'm looking at right now, and then the person who's sitting in, in, the, in the ground beneath my feet, like, I... I think so much of God now. I think God is so, like, absolutely in everything. And, like, my connection to that presence of love is so much more palpable and real in my practices now than it ever was when I was in evangelicalism or fundamentalist Christianity. Mm. And so it, it's really wild for me. And, like, it's like they will say, like, you know, someone will look at my story and say, that's not, you're not really a Christian. I was like... Again, I don't care. Like, who do you say that I am? Because if my life is bearing good fruit, that is testimony enough. You know, Absolutely I right. Just, and I always tell people, just like, listen, just look at the data. Look at the data. What is my life doing? What is my life producing? And I've got receipts. Like, I know the work I'm doing is good work because I can, I've got people who tell me. And if, uh, if I'm hurting someone, I'll have people who tell me. And I think it's too often, like, when we don't believe people at their words. Like, if someone says, hey, your work hurt me in some way, I would want to make amends for that. But we tell the church that, hey, your work is hurting me. And they're just like, you're just not a believer. Or you're not trying hard enough. Or you're living in sin. Like, it's never like, oh, I might be disturbing someone's shalom. I might be disturbing someone's peace. I might be causing harm. You know, it's... Um, it's the belief that we are untouchable or that we know better than somebody else to tell them what their experience is that leads us towards all the abuse that we've incurred over the past few thousand years. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and it's interesting. I, I had a kind of transcendent spiritual experience back in February, I think. And it was, it was, I realized it was a direct result of me doing yoga. And yeah, I'd never done yoga before. I, sta I started doing yoga and loved it and had this kind of inner peace that I hadn't had before and yeah. then went to a kind of spiritual community, kind of, which I'm part of, um, and we did some kind of Taze chanting and, and something happened. I, had this, I just had this incredible experience where I was almost like, I don't want to say out of body experience, but it, it felt like well, I only realised what it was after after it finished. Well, d don't feel weird like, about describing any sort of mystical experiences because I have a zillion weird transcendent mystical experiences that you know you share them with people and they think that you're a nut job, but they're not weird for me at all to yeah. hear that. 
yeah and I I was I was blown away by it I mean it was just like it was almost I didn't realise I was in it until after it had finished in fact mm-hmm. like an hour or two after it finished and I was reflecting on it and I was like oh my god like because I was because I was journaling you know I do like and I was, I was journaling about it and then I realised what it was as I was writing it down and um yeah so mm-hmm. um that's a good I think that's a good lesson and that connected me with, with like Jesus and the divine more than any other experience I've had and that was yoga you know like and I remember just before I left my my other my church my evangelical church they were like telling me oh yoga is evil and yoga's the devil going to try is going to get inside of you and like it's it's all kind of other and religions like, and like I'm like, like if if it's that easy for the devil to get inside of us like yeah exactly like what kind then what kind of protection of the holy spirit like the holy spirit must not not be that powerful if like, I can just like by doing a move with my body that I can let the devil in, like that doesn't make any fucking sense. Exactly. It's also not biblical, I might add. Yeah, I agree. Like even by their standards, it doesn't even hold. Um, yeah, and these were liberal Christians as well, allegedly liberal evangelicals. Um, so but I don't think liberal and evangelical can be used in the same sentence. I don't think that's the thing. <laughs> if I'm being honest. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're not. I think that they, they weren't conservative, which is why I didn't know. But I, yeah, anyway. Um, but maybe they were more conservative than I like to think they were. Maybe that's what it was. Um, <laughs> because I was in the midst of it, I couldn't see just how. Yeah, maybe that's what it was. Um, yeah, that's something to reflect on, actually. But it's. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah it, so, tell, so tell me more about that. So <laughs> would, would you say that, like, your experiences. Uh, of being able to like tap into this feeling of transcendence and you said it was a direct relationship to your practice of yoga Mm. so do you think that and this is something I thought about too that like our connection to God is also directly related to our connection to our own bodies and you know concurrently probably our connection to our desires I think yeah I'm beginning I think practices like yoga like you know how to allow us to get into those spaces of like oh this is all one Actually, yeah, not and, separate things. Yeah, I, I do, but I'm, I've, I've begun to believe that this year, mm-hmm. and I've, I mean, because I've experienced it, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. And you know, like as a writer, when I write, that's when I feel most connected to myself, and that's when I get the most kind of spiritual insights into myself and into others when I'm writing, because it unlocks something in me, and I suddenly get these ideas as I'm writing. You know, it's. Uh, especially if I'm journaling, yeah, absolutely. you know, so writing is my kind of like my simplest spiritual practice. And there's, um, there's actually evidence that writing improves your writing regularly about your emotions, improves your, I said this to other people, improves your physical health and your mental health, your emotional health. Um, like physically yeah. your body gets better. <laughs> your, your liver starts working better, you know, that, that kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. So I was I was writing regularly and I was doing yoga regularly. I'm still doing yoga a little bit, um, and uh, I'm trying to do it more regularly. And yeah, I guess that was just kind of a culmination of those things happening, um, and being in kind of a spiritual community which allows for contemplation and meditation and um, yes. that kind of thing and silence and that kind of stuff. And so it was just all of that came together, and I just had this um, experience. Of my, yes, it was we were singing a chant in French. And I was getting the words slightly wrong, and my late mother 
um, was a French teacher, mm-hmm. and she spoke fluent French, and I kind of had this experience, and the experience was basically me sensing that she was sitting next to me laughing at my bad French and it was like this intimate mm-hmm. moment between us you know and she's been she's been gone yeah. 19 years you know like um but it was like this intimate moment and like it was just yeah and but it was also this really spiritual moment kind of just yeah um yeah it's yeah. kind of it feels good to talk about it actually I haven't really talked about it much but um oh that will be in oh, my like, book for just, sure can I just tell you up front I believe you I absolutely believe that that's what happened. Yeah. Um, and I can say that something similar has happened for me. Like, my father is always hanging out with me, and he's been dead for a year and a half now. So, like, oh, I'm so sorry. it's one of these things where... Oh, yeah, me too. Um, but it's one of the... Like, I joke with people, but for realties, my relationship with my dad has never been better than how it is now, ironically, which, uh, you know, there's layers to that. Um, we had a really complicated relationship. But um, how I relate to him now and how I feel now, it's like, oh, yeah, you are still hanging around me. And I feel like our loved ones are always kind of around in some ways because we remember them, which I also think is, like, kind of the beauty of, like, communion, too. It's like, what do we do when we take communion? We remember Jesus. That, my friend, is how Jesus lives in us. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, Like, it's the power of remembering, you know, what we're capable of doing. Yeah. Um, and so, anyways, um, with my with uh, I think with loved ones who pass, it's like, you know, why does it feel like they're still around us? Probably because they are. Like, yeah. That's like the most obvious thing. And just like, so what if what if they are? I, I and it's like, well, what if they're not? I was like, well, then I guess. Oh. I'm like, well, what if they are? Like, that's a more interesting question. For yeah, me. I've had I've had I've definitely had moments where I felt like she's still around, um, especially uh, my sister had um two children in the last like three years and um mm. um who were the kind of first children in our family like and um i st- i it's weird because sometimes i sense like her especially my niece who is who reminds me of her you know um <laughs> it's really strange um but i also find myself having conversations with mum with mum like often like um, just talking about things, you know, um, having a joke or whatever, and it's and it when I had those conversations, it felt real, and that's you, because it was real, you know, and yeah, exactly, and even though kind of cognitively, I was like, this can't be real, so, you know, whatever. It was like, no, 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 this is something's going on, you know, this is, and it wasn't like a deep, meaningful conversation. It was just a mm-hmm. catching up, how are you, kind of conversation, you know. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm definitely. I mean, yeah, going through that, going through the process of, of grief and mm-hmm. grieving and stuff, that definitely does something to your spirituality because you you get you kind of become more like, oh yeah, this. I I sense that they're, I sense that they're somehow still involved somewhere. You know, like little things, mm-hmm. just like, and the dates of and there's dates the thing dates that things have happened in my life, mm-hmm. like. It's like it coincide, coincide with major dates in my in my yeah, in my relationship with my mother. You know, um, like I'm epileptic, right? The last time I had a seizure was like uh, it was the 29th of April four years ago, and the 29th of April is the day that she died. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, hmm, 
that's not a coincidence, is it? Like, that doesn't feel like a coincidence. You know, that little things like that, I just kind of feel like, yeah, makes you feel like something else is going on. Yeah, I, I mean, like, it's one of those things where just, like, sure, we can't prove any of these things. We can't prove that, like, there's, there's an actual connection between certain events. Like, it's almost just like, but what if there was? I always love a what if moment because it's just like it allows for imagination. Yes. Um, and I yes. think it also allows us to like move beyond our small understanding of what we think we know. Because it's like there's again, there's always mystery, right? And if there's always mystery, there's always a possibility that we don't understand something that's right in front of us. Mm. So I think that being open to, you know, how spirit moves, how others, you know, how life works in. In, uh, in other spaces like I think mm. I don't know I just like it like allowing myself to being open to wonder I think is the greatest thing ever because like I think about it like um, you know how children uh, Jesus is like you need to be like one of these children before you enter the kingdom of God um, children only exist in the present and they don't question it right it's just like they want to mm. know what's going on right now am I going to have fun today yes and so I think about that in terms of like my my own spirituality is like uh, what, what's in front of me what's happening right now what is my body telling me and I think our bodies are these sources of wisdom that we've forgotten about yeah. so like you having this sensation that your mother's near you yeah could be true might be true probably is true and yeah. and so what if it's not you know like what like does it does it serve anyone by it not being true yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so, so my question is always just like, is, does it serve you? That's my question of any spiritual practice. That's right, yeah. And there's so many different things that we can do. Um, yeah. And it's often what works for you. Like, you know, um, like for me, I know yoga and reading and writing, they all really, yeah. when I do them regularly, they, you know, my spirituality is better, I'm healthier you know um, my mental health is better um, and I noticed that actually working with a life coach that like the periods where I've had been most down are the periods where I'm not doing those things regularly you know um, so it's really yeah, it's really interesting and tarot sounds fascinating I think I need to explore this a lot more myself yeah. I would say like and what's so interesting too is that I think tarot can sit so nicely on top of any sort of religious tradition or, or faith background because the archetypes are universal. Mm. Um, and, and that's um, a little bit of Tarot 101. There's two kinds of cards in Tarot. There's the Major Arcana and the Minor Arcana. Uh, minors um, are the ones that are like swords, cups, pentacles, and wands. And mm. those are basically, they have to do with like, you know, mind, body, spirit, and uh, our connection to the world around us. And so with, uh, with the Tarot, it's just like, okay, okay, these are the things that we can affect in our daily life. These are the things that are on the surface level. The major arcana, which are like things like the fool or the emperor, the tower, the devil, all those fun things that you would see in a deck and freak out about because it looks so intense. Um, they're really just these universal archetypes or, or um, lessons we need to learn. They talk about where we are in the cycle of the... Hmm kind of just invite us to see the bigger picture of what God's doing. Um, 
And so whenever I'm reading tarot, like depending on the person, I also like certain cards will, will bring up memories or verses or stories from the Bible or illustrations from my Christian faith that serve me well. And I'll bring it up to um, the person I'm working with. And it's like, oh, yeah, I understand it because, yeah, that is what Jesus thought. This does make a whole lot of sense in terms of my own faith. It's like, you know, like, I think I'm a better Christian, a better practitioner of like, the stories of, of the Bible because um, they're usually, I'm, I'm using them in the employment of creating safer spaces for people and in the, in the, in the interest of building somebody up rather than trying to use the Bible or its stories as weapons on other people. So I think, like, if, you know, if you want a deeper relationship with your own spirituality, I think everyone should read tarot, no matter your background. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm going to have to explore that more. I think, I think there's so much fear around these things, isn't there? Especially from the church. You know, it's, like you know, oh yeah, and like this kind of, and I always like you mentioned earlier. I always kind of felt like, why are you so afraid of it? Like, like are you, why are you underestimating the spirit of God so much? Like that he can't be in those places. Like he can't, if it was dangerous, he couldn't come in and just stop it. Like, yeah, if he can't do that, then you know, like, um. Yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting that like our whole understanding, like you know, our quote-unquote demonology, if you will, is so limited to what we understand with, from within. Like we saw Jesus doing in the Gospels, and like it's it's uh, and the and the thing is, is, like I don't know what I believe about like demons and all that stuff anymore. Like I believe there's any there's like negative energy you can put out to the world, but it's also one of those things where like. Uh, I'm, I'm not so worried about it because I know what I'm putting out into the world is, is love and, and kindness. And so that's what I know is going to be returned to me. Um, so I think it's another thing is like where like we get so fearful of just like this anthropomorphized devil figure that's like here to drag us back to hell when in reality, like uh, Satan, the idea of Satan was developed uh, in response to like an evolving faith within Judaism. Um, our idea of Satan, of Satan, which literally translates as the accuser, uh, goes back, like, you can look in, I think it's First Kings and First Chronicles, if I'm not mistaken. There's a story of King David, and, and one of the stories is that God incited David to take a census of the people. And why that was wrong is because if you were taking a census, it was because you were getting ready to go to war. And Israel was not meant to be a war state. It was meant to be a light to all nations. Um, and then when that same story is recorded in First Chronicles a couple hundred years later, it says that the devil incited David to take a census. So the question I have is, which is it? And according to anthropo- anthropologists and like people who are like track the development of, you know, the Jewish faith, there was a shift in mindset between um, between those two writings, wherein they recognize that if God is all good, that means He could not cause somebody to sin. And so this idea of Asatan, the accuser, started to be developed. Um, and this is also in tandem with all like the Near Eastern mythologies and superstitions that came around, which is also the same reason why on the Day of Atonement, uh, the, Jewish, uh, the Jewish rabbi will release a goat into the desert uh, to be eaten by the demons who roam around the desert. Uh, <laughs> because that's what they believed. 
that's what they believe. If you don't appease this demon rolling around the desert, they're going to come and get us. Um, so it, it's one of those things where just like we can point to where we made that up. And so if we know that we made this up as a way to, uh, you know, ground our understanding of who we thought God was, just like, then we can also choose to say, okay, well that, that metaphor served us for a time, but it doesn't serve us anymore. Um, and then I, I also think just like thinking that there's a devil rolling around up there, like, you know, quote unquote, prowling like a roaring lion. I'm just like, sure, there's a devil, but just like, you know, I think of it more as just like our tendency to, to fuck things up, right? Our tendency to sin, our tendency to let our egos get in the way yeah. of our work. The ego does prowl like a roaring lion. It, it, you know, it's proud and it wants and it only wants for itself. It doesn't care about other people. Oh, yeah, so, for sure. So if anything, like, you know, like we all have the accuser sitting on our shoulder asking us if we really are who we say we are and to tell us to prove our worth and really like when we can notice ourselves doing that noticing ourselves trying to prove that we're Christian or prove that we're loved or prove that we're children of God um, they can almost guarantee you that like when we can see that voice it's literally just somebody scared rally rather than I think it's like a scared it comes from the scared part of us rather than and then the answer is not to shut that voice up but rather to love that voice and say hey you really are the son of God you really are a child of God. You really are love. What would happen if you believed it? That's another conversation. Oof. I love all these questions. I love these kind of questions. They're always like, yeah, the what if questions. Like, you know, what if this, what if that, you know, what if this were true? I just love, mm-hmm. I always love mystery and asking those kind <laughs> yeah. of questions and when you don't know the answers and you can just kind of reflect and contemplate and explore and be content in not knowing everything you know it's it's great sorry I was going to say and imagine like just like when you set your like I think what if is like the beginning of like what if towards the future in some ways like if you are using because you can use what if to like project your anxieties onto anything but like you could also use what if to like project possibilities onto everything and I think that, you know, just imagine, you know, what if God is as, as big as we think God is? What if God really is as good as we say God is? What if uh, love really is the thing that's driving the entire thing and pushing it all towards something better? What if, and if, if that's true, then how are we going to change? If that even could be true, not even if it is true, but if it could be true, how will we respond? That's, that's what I want to know. Yeah, it's a journey and there's no destination. I keep telling people this, like, you know, I've come out. I've oh, come, yeah, like, you know, yeah. I, I mean, I said on Twitter, I was on Twitter yesterday talking about this and the, um, the, 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 the journey, the deconstruction, reconstruction journey is not like to a destination. It's just this ongoing journey that you go on to of self-discovery in a sense and connection to the divine, you know, it's like that's mm-hmm. that's what it is for me. Yeah, I don't like, like, you know, deconstruction is such like a lovely word, but I don't really like the term reconstruction because that makes me think of like, oh, like you're trying to create another box for yourself to fit in. When really the real work of spiritual transformation is to not construct anything. 
Yeah. You know, if ego is identifying with anything that has form, I think that includes like our faith. Like we want our faith to fit inside of every, like we want it to be pretty again. We want it to make sense again. And the thing about it is, is that mystery doesn't make sense. Like we can try our hardest to make sense of things. We can try our hardest to put language and metaphors on. And if those metaphors serve us, then good. But like I, what I see often in, in people is this desire to just return to normal, to return to back what they, what they knew. It's just like, you know, we were yes. slaves in Egypt, but at least we had something to eat, you know? Yeah. It's like, but you for like, like you you can't tell me that that's better. Um, Absolutely. That's a that's something that I really wish. Um, I really wish that I could. Uh, if I could convince everybody of that, like it's not that like, it's always going to be a journey. You're constantly going to be unlearning something. You're constantly going to be like, running into another wall that you're going to have to break down and rather than like approaching it with like this fear, this fear of just like, what else am I wrong about? I guess the better question is like, what else have I been right about the whole time? That's what I keep finding out is that like all my suspicions about how good God is and how much God wants to do in the world and finding them out all to be true. That God is actually love. What a concept. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. It's awesome. The word I've actually come to use um, is regeneration. Like, I, mm. I mean, I'm a Doctor Who fan. Absolutely, uh, I'm a big Doctor Who fan. Um, oh, just become even more of one of my favourite people. <laughs> Anyone who's a Doctor Who fan, like we talk about Doctor Who on this podcast on and off, especially with my friend Becky, who is a Doctor Who fan as well. Um, but I just, yeah, the concept of regeneration of like, like dying and being reborn again and again, but still being you. Um, and then finding out and finding new things about yourself and then letting go of old things and that just ongoing process. I just, I just love that word. And it was, um, it feels like that's the process I've been in. Um, I kind of, I kind of stopped calling it deconstruction. I, I prefer regeneration because it's more of an ongoing kind of process, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's exactly that. And that's, I think that'd be a good word for me to borrow as well. I think it's a regeneration. Yeah. Regeneration feels good because I think it also just like speaks to the fact that like at the base of what I've always carried with me is something good at the base of like what I've within me is like brilliant yeah. and lovely and exactly. God's in it. Yeah. Um, and even if, even if it got covered up by other things, it was always there. So I like that term. I think uh, regeneration, I think spiritual evolution is also good. I love that. Just like, yeah, I love that. Yeah. Evolution, I think, also speaks to that. Just like we're simply continuing to, you know, what is evolution if not like the, uh, the shedding of traits that no longer serve uh, an organism in favor of new traits that help that organism to survive and thrive? I think it's the same thing with faith. It's just like, you know, like what are the things that are no longer serving us. Um, and why do we think that we have to hold on to them? I think it, that's like my, my attitude towards the church in some way. It's like the church does so many good things for so many people. It provides community. When it's done well, it can provide healing for so many people. And at the same time, I don't think it's really necessi- a necessary institution. Um, I and Because like it's just like God is not the church. The church is not God. And so if I'm following God, do I need to be a part of the church? And, you know, 
I found that for my personal practice, like I have my own little small church here in Atlanta, Georgia, where I live. Um, and I, and I go there because the people love me and I love the people. Mm. Um, but I don't see it as a necessary step for me to be, um, a follower of, you know, a follower of Jesus, follower of the way, a Christian, whatever you want to call it. Um, because I, I just think that like, uh, you know, people get really, really high strong about defending the church and I'm just like, the church is a man-made institution. Like, sure, it was inspired by Jesus, but it, ain't, it was never led by Jesus. You know what I'm saying? They yeah. claim that it was led by Jesus, but I think history tells us otherwise. And so, and like I said, I've been saying it a lot. I'm just like, I just believe the data. <laughs> Which I think a lot of things that I'm an asshole when I say things like that. I'm just like, no, I don't think I'm being an asshole. I think I'm just calling it like it is. And like, if you can't handle the truth, that's your business. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and the truth can be difficult sometimes. In fact, it can be the hardest thing, especially yeah. when it's truth and about it's, ourselves. It's you like, know? It's a, and like that's the thing about truth. It's just like, just can you name what is, what it really is? Not what you wish it was, but what it really is. And if you can do that, if you can be honest, honesty is the first step on the, on the road to freedom. Like, and I'm talking about honesty in everything. Honesty about how you're feeling, honesty in what you want honesty and what you think you believe or like what you've experienced and so many people are afraid that if they're honest that people won't love them and the thing about it is it's like if people don't love you because you're honest and vague that speaks more about them than about you yeah. uh, of course you know being social creatures it's kind of hard sometimes yes <laughs> yes it is yeah especially within the world of social media um, yeah <laughs> it can be a difficult thing for sure mm. Yeah. Well, thank you so much um, yeah, for coming on. I this really, been, really enjoyed our time. Thanks for having me on here. Yeah, it's been it's been a, such a privilege, and I've learned so much as well. And oh, good! I'm so glad. Um, yeah, and you know, definitely, definitely, we'll do it again. I'm sure there's, I'm sure we've got loads more we can talk about. So um, yeah, thanks for uh, and thanks for coming on. And where can people where can people connect with you and stuff? Um, find your work. Yeah, you can connect with me across the internet at the Kevin Garcia, and you can also find um, uh, me on my website, thekevingarcia.com. My podcast is called A Tiny Revolution. My apparel line is called Freely Beloved. And there's a small puppy right here, and his person walked off, and he's so cute. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, you can find me everywhere at the Kevin Garcia, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Um, my book that I'm working on is hopefully going to be out December 7th so if you want to know more about that you can uh, sign up for my newsletter at thekevingarcia.com awesome awesome um, and I would highly recommend all of that to people so um, thanks for coming on Kevin and um, yeah. thanks everyone for listening take care yeah cheers